Thank you, Kelly Robinson. Good morning. Hot morning. Oh, golly, it's the 6th of August. Let me turn my my binger down there. I have that on. I was doing some sound editing on my laptop last night, so there we have no sound. We won't be hearing that anymore. I welcome you to our program, the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour, live on a Saturday morning. And I'll just acknowledge August 6th of uh, the year 2022. It's a special day. I'll tell you why in a moment. If you'd like to call, Sandra and Rockdale will be our first call in just a moment. The phone number toll-free. Jared Taylor is running the boards and answering the phones. 888-256-1080. for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. We have about 30 stations across the state that uh, that carry our program all the way from Amarillo to Corpus Christi and from Crockett to Alpine. Those are pretty much the boundaries of the great state of Texas. College Station Bryan, where I grew up, that's in between, and a lot of other great stations in, uh, in, the, in the state. I love our state of Texas, and um, if you have a gardening question, please give me a call. The one topic that I kind of declare off-limits in the summertime uh, is St. Augustine Diagnostics. And I'll tell you why. They're hard to describe on the phone um, because they look alike. Gray leaf spot looks very much like St. Augustine that's dying because it doesn't get enough sunlight. Looks very much like chinch bug damage. Looks very much like, well, not anymore, the remnants of take-all patch from the springtime. They all just kind of look alike. And so I put a really good page, well, my my judgment, really good page on my website, neilsperry.com, that compares all of the St. Augustine issues. And you can see what they look like. You can see how they happen, what happens, how you can identify them, and what you do about them. If you'll go there, it'll save a 10-minute, very frustrating phone call. And... Um, uh, so I think that'll help you a great deal. That's at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. I can help you with other St. Augustine questions, but the, the one that I, I just would rather not get into is what's wrong with my St. Augustine, because I've already answered that. It took a day of my of my life to write that and post it there about uh, seven or eight weeks ago, and I'm just going to leave it on my website. It's right on the home page. The, the link is on my home page. Um, so it is the 6th of August, uh, which uh, in 1967 was a Sunday afternoon. Sunday, Sunday, not afternoon, but in Ohio it is afternoon. And at this time in Ohio, it would be about 10 after 12, and church would be letting out at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Asheville, Ohio, and uh, I was waiting in the parking lot with a car full of flowers that I had spent two nights designing. And uh, hastily then I got the flowers on the altar and down the aisle and left for the bride and the bridesmaids. And I headed off to hide my car. It was my wedding day. It was a wonderful day, and been married 55 years today. Luckiest guy in the world. So, anyway, we have been out to dinner a couple of nights ago, and I will take her out, and we'll have a really nice night, some night other than a Saturday night, 
we've made the agreement a long time ago that we we don't go out on on Mother's Day and on Father's Day. We go out a few days away just to get away from the crowds, especially right now. But uh, we are we've been blessed with a lot of good years together and the same kinds of trials and tribulations that any marriage would have with illnesses and deaths and challenges and things, but the blessings of a wonderful family and now their families and just a lot of great things. So it's a good day. It's a wonderful day. So the best thing you can do is give me some phone calls so that I don't have to get into this again. <laughs> you can see I get kind of emotional. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Let me do an ad and a break, and then we'll get right to the calls. We have Sandra in Rockdale, Daryl in Bryan, and um, then we'll get to you. The uh, first uh, thing I'd like to tell you about is my book, it is really selling, and if you want this very special price that I have for you, you need to act quickly. It's an unexpected opportunity for you. Of the fifth printing of my book, I'm trying to clear out all remaining copies of the fifth printing. They are all sitting in my garage right now. I took final delivery about 10 days ago of all the copies of the fifth printing, and I have marked them at $32.95, the sixth printing will be arriving before too much longer, and it will be $38.95. That's a big difference. That's because they cost me more to have them printed. Paper is more. Uh, the inks are more. The labor is more. But I, at $32.95, you can get the fifth printing. It has two paragraphs that will uh, not be in the fifth printing that are in the sixth printing, and they refer to the cold spell of uh, February last year. So that's a not much difference for $6. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening, 11 chapters. Chapter 1, the basics of gardening in Texas. What you have to know to get started or, or to, to, to make sure you do it right. Chapter 2 is a 48-page calendar in words, not a grid, but in words. Four pages per month of what needs to be planted, pruned, fertilized, and sprayed in that month, month by month. So you'll always know when to do things. And uh, then chapter three uh, is uh, a comprehensive chapter on trees and then shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit and vegetables. I worked a year to put everything I know into this book for you. 840 of my photographs, 344 pages. It's on high-quality paper. It's a hardback printed in Texas by Texans, not overseas. I wanted it to be the best book I could possibly do. I self-published so I could say that for you. Now, there are two ways you can buy it. It's not in stores, and it's not on Amazon. I could keep the price way down for you by doing that. $32.95, and it is satisfaction guaranteed. Here are the two ways you can buy it. You can call my office Monday through Friday, or you can order it online right away. This is subject to supply on hand. When they're gone, price goes up. The phone number to my office Monday through Friday business hours, 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. The website, which is the better way to order, I'll sign every copy as it sells, neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. 
Why pay every month for a temporary storage facility when you can own your own Mueller building? Mueller's backyard buildings are easy to assemble, they're affordable, and they offer a permanent storage solution right there in your own backyard. With a variety of sizes available and more than 30 colors from which to choose, their backyard building kits complement any home or landscape. And if your equipment requires even more storage space, Mueller's standard series buildings are ready to go to work for you. They're fabulous. From workshops to big barns, these pre-engineered bolt-together buildings come in a variety of size and color options. You can also visit them online at MuellerInc.com. Mueller is spelled M-U-E-L-L-E-R. And then INC.com to get a free customized building estimate. While you're there, click on their color selector tool to make choosing the perfect combination of colors an easy decision. To find out more about Mueller Steel Buildings and Metal Roofing, call 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. Or visit them online at MuellerInc.com. Mueller means steel buildings for permanent storage. I'll have more after this message. Thank you, Kelly. And we go to our first call is Sandra in Rockdale. Sandra, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning and happy anniversary. Thank you very much. It is. How can I help you today? Well, I have a 40-foot magnolia tree that is in distress. And what I noticed about it is that there's a lot of brown leaves and that right now it's even dropping some green leaves. And they even have, like, spots on them, like uh, little, like, on the edges, it's kind of, like, black, spotty. Anyway, it looks sad, and we're concerned. <laughs> sure, I can imagine. Um, all right, I, I just need to go right to the, uh, uh, the, the obvious question in this awful year of, of drought. What is the chance that it is just horribly dry? Well, it it is, and um, but we did notice we've been looking around our neighborhood, and there are other trees that don't look as bad. And understand so we're that. thinking. Understand that, but if you have ten human beings and they're in the desert, one of them's going to get dry first. And, okay. Um, what does the rest of your? How long has it been since you really soaked your landscape, lawn, other shrubs? Uh, shrubs other trees well um we have a sprinkler system that we run maybe you know twice three times a week um my husband did put a soaker hose around it and he was doing that all right okay and that's and that's fair that's those are good answers uh when he put the soaker hose around it i have two questions on that um, was it in reaction to the, the tree having a problem, or was it done early yes. in the game before there was a problem? It was due to a problem. Okay. And where was the soaker hose placed? Was it way out around the drip line, or was it up close to the trunk? Yes. Where was it? Out around On the, the drip, drip line. line. All right. When a, when a plant gets too dry, uh, I, I'm not sure that's what it is. I have another thing I'm going to mention to you. When a, when a magnolia gets too dry or a holly gets too dry, uh, the, they operate somewhat similarly because they're both leathery, uh, evergreen plants. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they they get to a point and then we water them and they coast beyond that point. They get worse before they get better. Hopefully they get better. And so if on a given point you water it, it may get worse. And, and so you say, well, the watering didn't help. Well, it may have, or it may have been to a point that's called the permanent wilting point where the plant can't get better. I don't know. I can't see your magnolia. So that's, uh, that I, I don't know that that answer is accurate at all. There was a time when I was doing work um, part-time. I was still working for Texas A&M, and, and I got a consulting job at, in the evenings uh, at a home um, of a very well-known, very wealthy person in the Dallas area whose name anybody would recognize. And I stopped by. And that family had two magnolia trees out of their three-story living room windows. One of them, well, I think both of them, they decorated at Christmas. I mean, they were the most important trees in in my life to this day. And Mm -hmm. one of them started to die. And all the king's horses and all the king's men could not save that magnolia tree. I I brought everybody I could think of with A&M to look at those trees. And uh, samples were sent to the plant disease lab at A&M. And it was uh, identified as an unusual disease. I believe it was nectria. I think N-E-C-T-R-I-A. I'd have to go back and look that up to make sure I have the right genus of of the, the fungus within the magnolia, uh, canker within the wood of the magnolia tree. I, I've had one other time in, in 52 years, wouldn't you know it would be that house, <laughs> but anyway, no. f- 52 years of uh, working with, with gardeners in Texas have I encountered that disease. Now, the plant disease lab at A&M may get them all the time, but, but I certainly don't get calls on it, and I don't see it very often. But it, it did what you're describing in terms of, of taking out a magnolia tree that was otherwise healthy uh, six months earlier. So you might keep that in mind, and you might go to the Texas Plant Clinic or Plant Disease Diagnostic Laboratory, I think. is You can look that up online and, and, and okay. make contact with them. Um, I think the samples that Dr. Norman McCoy sent the, the, was the plant pathologist at that time uh, up in the Dallas area, I believe were uh, wood samples from the stems. I don't believe he sent any root samples. He, he probably did, knowing the, the uh, magnitude of this problem. But, but I think it was the tissue samples from the wood that were identified as having that disease. I'm telling you more than I really know. <laughs> I'll warn you ahead of time. <laughs> But I'll, I'll try to do some research. Uh, I have a two-minute break, and I'll see if I can find anything about that, that fungus. But that, that would be well, the I other think, thing. But I think the odds are it's probably just a very dry tree. Okay. And just continue to do the drip line soaking? Yes. And we're talking about running that hose overnight a couple of times. Okay. Not, not at a high uh, rate but so that it it puts out a uniform amount of water from one end of the hose to the other end of the hose and then do it uh, a few days later in a different location move it uh, three feet and and do it again i mean the roots are not all in that one spot so right yeah good luck with it i hope and and if you have an arborist there in in rockdale uh, you might contact the county extension office and ask if there is a, a really good arborist in Rockdale or one of the surrounding cities who could help you. Then I, it's worth it for that tree. 
Okay. Um, one question. We've been told that when trees appear dead during a drought, that they could possibly just be dormant and to leave them till the next year to see if they recover. What percent? Yeah, no. You can do that if you want to, but it certainly doesn't sound very plausible to me. What percentage of the leaves are still normal and green on this tree? A a lot. Uh, I mean, that's great news. That's great news. All because it's looking stressed. You know, we we don't we wouldn't jump jump on it fast if we can. Well, let me let me get to a, a final parting comment on it. Uh, if you have uh, 50%, 60% of the leaves that still look normal and are the right color of green and it's just shedding, especially older leaves, uh, that's just lightening its load. It's just saying, I can't hang on to all this stuff. There's too much demand on me. And that would recover. That's what we want to hear. Keep the okay. water going. Keep okay. the water going. Right. Yeah. We'll so do good that. luck with it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh huh. Daryl and Brian, you're coming up next. Todd and College Station, right after that. And I'll try to help you. And I think uh, both of those, especially Daryl, I think I can help you fairly quickly. So, Todd, don't give up. Neil Spray's eGardens is my free electronic newsletter from my computer to your email box. It's Thursdays right after 6 p.m. Uh, there are five stories in each eGardens. I think you'll find them very, very uh, uh, interesting. I spend a lot of time. I spend a day and a half a week, sometimes two days a week, working on eGardens. Probably longer than I should, but I really want it to be an exciting thing that you anticipate and look forward to. We have a very high open rate uh, for electronic newsletters. I'm told it's one of the highest rates that people see uh, in in how many people open eGardens. There always is gardening this weekend where I point out things that must be done, need to be done at that exact weekend of the year. Uh, This is a very pivotal time of the year in a normal year. This is not a normal year. Um, I also have always... Uh, the uh, featured plant of the week, something that's very important for that uh, particular uh, week of the year. And then you'll also find uh, a couple of other stories, our expanded new Q&A section. Uh, I spend as much time on that as I do the rest of eGardens combined. And then this week, Diane Sitton has filed a, a fun story that I think you'll enjoy very, very much. I normally write all of eGardens, but two times a, a month, Diane Sitton and Stephen Shambly write stories for us. That's eGardens. You can see what it looks like by going to my website. That's where you sign up for it. It is free and always will be. I never give you a, a, a chance at a, at a better version if you pay something. It doesn't exist. You get the best version. And uh, there, is, there's, there's, there are no built-in uh, things you have to buy or anything like that. I'll never spam you, nor will I give or sell your email address to anybody who would. It doesn't work that way. This is something you can trust. 18 years we've been doing it. 80,000 people get eGardens each week. Hope you will, too. Take a look at it at my website at neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. Then click on eGardens. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. I had time to do a quick uh, search um, for Nectria canker on uh, Magnolia, Magnolia grandiflora, and uh, there are a lot of matches. The way I do a search like that, 
to speed it up is uh, I will enter these keywords, university, plant pathology, magnolia, grandiflora. I think I just entered magnolia. Um, and then I put nectria, canker, N-E-C-T-R-I-A, canker. And uh, so, Sandra, if you will do that search, the one that I found had the most information was uh, University of Wisconsin, but there are a lot of southern universities that have it as well. Uh, you also can go to the Texas Plant Disease Clinic uh, website and send them samples and let them culture it. But that uh, was what was diagnosed as, as getting the um, big magnolia tree at, uh, at the estate that I was doing consulting. I, I paid for the birth of our uh, second child, who is now 47, so that's how far back. And I have not thought of that plant, that disease, I don't believe, more than once or twice in those 47 years. That one was fished out of the lake. Daryl and Brian, this is Neil. Good morning. Thanks, sir. How can I help uh, you? In my Yes, in my front yard I have four uh, nice uh, live oak trees, and now three of the four are dead. We've lived in the house 25 years, and they were nice trees when we moved in. Uh, come home, and uh, there's a big hole in the front yard, and there's the gas company. And so I inquire what they're up to, and he says, well, we've got a leak here. That's what killed your trees. So how long do I need to wait before I replant? Uh, is the gas still in the wood? Can I use it for firewood? And what can I do to look out for the fourth tree that still looks pretty good? Well, it would show problems by now if it were going to have a problem. Let me take the easy okay. question first. I may may not even try the one on the firewood. I, I, don't, I don't have any idea. Live oak wood is really dense. I, I had some wood from probably the most famous live oak in Texas that I turned for pens when I was doing pen turning as a fundraiser for Sarandi Eye. And my goodness, that wood was heavy. Um, so it, it will hold for a long time, but I can't imagine that there would be enough in, in the limbs uh, to do any any harm at all. I, okay. but, but I don't have the right to tell you that. That's, that's certainly not something you learn in horticulture class. That might have been... Right. That might have been a post-grad course that I didn't take. Um, as far as uh, how long to replant, I grew up in Bryan College Station. We had a gas leak outside my house to got a plum tree. And I don't, uh, I don't recall that we waited very long. Uh, gas will dissipate pretty quickly out of the soil. Um, as dry as it's been, I would think that would help it get out of the soil. I would think by the spring or later this fall, you could replant without any problem at all. Is there turf grass there? Yes. Is the turf grass okay? Doesn't look good. Okay. I might use it as my indicator. When it when it greens back up in response to fertilizer, that'll tell you that, that life is good in the top foot of soil anyway, and that's where the tree's going to be establishing. The new trees and new plants that you put in will be establishing their roots. The gas company should be, they should have an expert that could tell you that. They probably have some means of monitoring uh, gas content of the soil. They have a lot okay. better means than I do. Um, I, I think I would ask the gas company, and you might check with the Texas A&M Soil Testing Lab. Maybe they have somebody who's had that experience. 
It's probably not an uncommon question. It is the first time in half a million questions that I've been asked that I've ever been asked that one. I wish I had a prize and a bell to ring for you, but I don't. <laughs> you deserve <laughs> don't, it. That's a good question. I don't think question. I've won anything with this. No, you, you lost. With yeah, this. You lost big time. You know, it's, I'm, we're, I'm just curious. Does the uh, does the gas providers have any responsibility? I just I, I just started to say the same thing. We're hearing about this so commonly. You you feel like they they probably should, but I don't. I don't know. That's a legal matter. You've yep. covered about nine fields here in this one call. <laughs> <laughs> try to try to keep you challenged am, on the anniversary. I am on thin ice out here. I'm out on the all right, all melting right. melting ice. Daryl, I am so, so sorry that the happened. The trees are That's... gone. Watch the grass, see how it does. That'll be an indicator when I can plant again and uh, maybe get the gas company to test the soil for me. Yeah, if any of your shrubs died, you could always start replanting with shrubs. They're a lot uh, quicker to respond to things, will tell you more quickly, and they cost a lot less than a replacement tree. I would check with the okay. gas company and see if they have any responsibility to you to help you with I have a call in and waiting for a return. Yeah, good luck with it. Thank you very much, and happy anniversary. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Let's go to Todd in College Station. Todd, this is Neil. Good morning. Happy anniversary. Thank you. It is. Neil, I've got got four pretty large hanging baskets with uh, cascading periwinkles in them. Aren't those Uh, pretty? They're they're gorgeous. Yes. Normally. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Otherwise, you wouldn't have called, huh? Exactly. Uh, one of them, almost for the for the better part of the summer, has has had yellow foliage on it. It, it. it hasn't been like the stuff that's gotten fungus before that died pretty quick and pretty. Uh, it's just yellowed. It has yellow leaves. It has a lack of abundance of foliage. It's still flowering. Um, then I'm, I've, and the only, I've got another one that's starting to do that. Both of them are pink. The two red ones that I got are robust and green and flowered and, and all of that stuff. They all get treated the same way, and I'm just scratching my head. All right. Um were there labels in these when you bought them? Yeah, and it they were the the are they uh, coras? The coras, the, the, the disease resistant ones. Okay. Um, even the disease resistant ones occasionally will show the phytophthora. Um, I'm not saying I, I think you've said in in the way you right. described I've, it. Right, I've had that you happen. Think that's yeah. it. Oh, I think we all have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you what fertilizer? Well, let me let me ask that differently. What is the type of analysis or or content of the fertilizer you've used? Is it have you used uh, a fertilizer that has a lot of nitrogen in it? Uh, let me see here. I have found that that periwinkles really benefit from nitrogen. It's nineteen percent nitrogen. All right. And about, I not, not, and I I haven't heavily fertilized them uh i, I just ha- I, I i've started on the the, the kind of peaking ones think, thinking well maybe that's the problem i think uh, it is i think okay, it is now, are they are they uh, in a let me tell you where i would look what 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 i would examine what i would think about if i were 
if I were uh, if I came home from a two week vacation and somebody had cared for my plants and I wondered well what went wrong, I would uh, or a one month vacation I would first of all make sure that they weren't sopping wet and had lost roots. I'd make sure they didn't have the stem issues that Phytophthora would give. All right, so now we have said no, I don't think that's it. I'd make sure that they weren't just sopping wet. Then I would look to see if um, I then I would I would be ready to try the nitrogen. It's amazing to me how flowering plants respond to nitrogen. Lantana responds to nitrogen. Periwinkles respond to nitrogen by growing and blooming. Hibiscus respond to nitrogen by growing and blooming. Who'd have thought it? You know they 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 right, bloom right, on right. that new growth, and so they have to have new growth to bloom. And and you try it, and oh my goodness, look at that! It did work. Neil was right, and I resisted that for a long time, and I said, oh, my goodness, look, the soil testing lab was right. <laughs> yeah, So <laughs> we, we learned. So I'd, I'd try it on one or two of them, and, and the results show up pretty quickly on nitrogen. I had, um, I, I'll be, I'm as bad as everybody else. My wife, every Christmas, she'd been on school board for a long time in McKinney, and every Christmas they gave her at the Christmas party, they gave her a six-inch devil's ivy, pothos. Well, every Christmas, three years in a row. And we had them sitting in our sunroom. And I'd trim off the, the long vines so that we, and they looked nice. They were very pretty. But eventually they got kind of peaked, to use your term. It just didn't look as good. And so about two months ago, I repotted them with fresh potting soil, same pot, right back in the same pot, and started fertilizing them. They hadn't been fertilized in uh, <laughs> too long, probably a year. <laughs> yeah. And they look fabulous. Duh. So, you know, I'll blow the whistle on myself. And, of course, they're not flowering plants, but it, it they responded within about two weeks. I said, Linda, you see the difference? How, well, no. They, how she, often, how often since they're puny looking, how often... I mean, I don't want to do it too much and burn them up, but there. Well, if you're using a water soluble and and diluting diluting it according to label directions, you could almost do it. Certainly, every other time that you water them, and and uh, maybe even every time you water in a greenhouse setting when they're being grown to sell, they're on an injector system where they're given fertilizer every time. It's a very diluted solution, but okay. Uh, yeah, I think you could do that. Let me come at it from a different direction. Your your time is running out because they're going to quit blooming um, by mid-October. It's going to get cool enough they're going to kind of play down. Periwinkles are not like begonias, not like some of the other plants that just keep blooming right up to the moment of frost. They they give right. out when it gets kind of cool. That That's assuming it's going to be cool, right? Isn't that a, isn't that a crazy assumption? <laughs> this is so awful. It's just so awful. Yeah, but I think that'll help you. I will get after them, and I appreciate it, and I hope you have a good day. I will, and same to you. Thank you. Let me know how it works out. Take, take care. All right, thanks. All right, bye-bye. All right, another Neil. There are two Neils in the world at least. He's an Abilene. I'm not, but we'll talk about plants dying in the heat in just a second, how appropriate that one is. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening is my book, and, uh, you know, when you write a book called The Complete Guide to Texas Gardening, how can you come back with another book? Well, you just say, okay, that was 1991. Now I'm going to write one called Lone Star Gardening. This is the fifth printing of the book that I am uh, trying to, I'm, I'm selling the remaining copies. I have a few hundred left. I don't have very many. 
and uh, I have put them on sale to get that uh, all sold out. I just want to get all that cleaned up. They're in my garage right now, and I will be signing tonight, tomorrow, well, probably not tonight. It's my anniversary, for crying out loud. Uh, tomorrow night and Monday, and we'll get them in the mail on Tuesday. I'd like to get one to you, and I have marked it to thirty-two ninety-five. As long as I have copies of the fifth printing, thirty-two ninety-five. The sixth printing will be thirty-eight ninety-five, and um, I'd hurry if I were you. Now, the book has 11 chapters. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening, the soils of Texas, the, the climatic zones of Texas, the hardiness zones of Texas. And they've, they've kind of changed, you know. And, and I tell you in the book and have since the first printing why I think the 2012 hardiness map is wrong, that they moved it too far north. So that's Chapter 1. And, and there's a lot more in Chapter 1. Chapter 2 is the 48-page calendar, four pages per month of when to plant, prune, fertilize, and protect all of your plants. And then specific chapters, detailed chapters, on trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. All of that took me a year to write. It took me a lifetime to learn it, and it is in this book, hardback book, printed in Texas in San Antonio by Clear Visions and now available from my garage to your mailbox. And uh, for thirty-two ninety-five hardback satisfaction guaranteed, it'll be a signed copy. Zeus the dog and I will sign, and I'll take it to the post office myself. I do it on Tuesdays. So here are the ways you can order. It's not in stores, not on Amazon. And uh, that's why I offer you satisfaction guaranteed. 75,000 copies sold, not one request for refund. You can call my office Monday through Friday, 800-752-GROW, 800-752-4769. The better way is order it right now while you're thinking about it before the price goes up at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. We'll have more after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. And uh, we're ready to go back to the phone lines. We go to Neil and Abilene. This is uh, Neil. Good morning. <laughs> it is kind of strange talking to yourself sometimes. It is, like an echo. That's right. <laughs> well, How can I help? Last, last week, <clears throat> like on Monday, we have a bunch of plants in containers on the back porch. Most of them are in the shade. You know, they get plenty of light and water. Mm-hmm. And we have the fan flower. With Gavola looking great, and Tuesday it starts like it's drying up. Wednesday it is totally dried up. Okay, okay. but then there's also there's Chrysandra, Angelonia, and Lantana in the same basket, and they're all fine. Okay. okay. Now, then about Tuesday or Wednesday at a Bougainvillea start drooping like it was dry. Well, it wasn't dry. Well, in two days, it is was totally dried up, bracts and everything. And there was like three or four plants in that bath. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then uh, we've got a meat petite rose in a pot that started drying up from the leaves down. This is all last week. And we've got a uh, purslane that is... The last three or four days looks the gray like it's drying up, but it's moist. 
right, well, I, I have enough to I have enough to go on, uh, and I'm going to run out okay. of time, I fear. So let me let me okay. get to uh, some questions I want to ask you back. First okay. of all, I am very impressed with uh, with your knowledge and your your memory of what you're growing, um, and the fact that you're growing Cassandra. Not many people grow Cassandra. Not many people know uh, Fanflower is Scavola. I'm I'm impressed with those things. So I I know that you're more than just a casual gardener. Uh, let's talk about things that might have changed, if anything. Have you changed the fertilizer that you're using in the last two or three weeks? No. No. Right. Did you move these plants into this shaded location in the last two or three weeks? Nope. They have been there for months. Is there anything that could have changed in that time period that would have made these see, react differently? See, that is so, that's what's so odd. We have not moved them. I mean, you know, we water, water till it runs out, you know. Not every day, but almost every day. Uh, There hasn't been any spraying going on. I haven't sprayed anything. I have uh, fan flower, scavola, in a big azalea tub. uh, I put a hanging basket in about a 14-inch tub, and I have it in a shade, and it's not happy. Uh, it has not prospered, and and so you know it's a full sun plant, and so I I don't know if that might be any part of the problem. The book, but it had been you know it's yeah, been I've, it's been it gets some sun, but it's been in the same spot for like three months. You know, and it was just doing great. Let me let me put you on hold. I want okay. I want Jared to get your phone number. I may need to call you off air or give you another number to call me i've got to get one more okay. break in hang on a second we'll come back let let him okay. talk to you a little bit and let me get this break okay. done i i didn't realize there's so many plants involved hang on a second folks i need to tell you about my website and i'm going to do that really quickly my website is neilsperry.com that's where you order my book that's where you sign up for eGardens, my newsletter that's where you find that saint augustine information that's n-e-i-l s-p-e-r-r-y dot com and uh, that is a one minute ad done in 10 seconds so there we go let me tell you about Mueller right now homegrown goodness that's what Mueller is all about they've been producing quality steel buildings and metal roofing right here in Texas for 90 years well now you can grow a Mueller greenhouse right in your own backyard they're easy to assemble bolt together greenhouses come in five sizes from 6x9 to 12x21 they feature a galvanized steel frame with more than 30 designer trim colors to choose from with hail resistant polycarbonate panels lockable walk doors and windows a Mueller greenhouse will let the sun shine in while it protects your plants year round don't let the weather ruin what you've worked so hard to produce get yourself a great greenhouse from a great texas grown company that's Mueller visit them online at MuellerInc.com M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER 877-268-3553 MuellerInc.com I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very much. We have less than a minute, and uh, I'm going to give you just a a garden tip. It's one I have said several times over the course of this summer, and I'm going to tell you right now again, because there are a lot of people who have not heard it and have not heeded it, and that is if you have plants you set out this spring, you need to water them by hand. This also would apply to plants you set out last year after the cold. You need to get a water bubbler or a water breaker, put it on a water wand, and you need to be watering those plants deeply and thoroughly every other day. 
I think every city, I don't believe any city will, will cite you for doing that. I think it's legal anywhere to water by hand these new plants that you have set out. And even if you have sprinkler irrigation that's legal in your town, that's not adequate for new plants. They dry out much more quickly than the surrounding plants. Have a wonderful garden week, and we'll see you next week. Happy gardening.